Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. As we were singing that song, reminded me of something that we need God to do for us. This is not part of the sermon. (laughs) Our school, our Christian school, is turning people away. We don't have space, which breaks our heart. And so we have been praying about God opening a door for us to have some more space, another building or some land or something. And it's a God-sized assignment, and we have located a building that would be an ideal place. Uh, We just don't have the money yet, and and we're thinking that somebody else might try to buy it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, I'm not praying against those other folks, but I'm just praying if God wants us to have that building, he's going to have to make it happen. And you know what? And if it doesn't happen, then I know God has something else in mind. But I wonder if we might just pray right now together and ask God's direction for that. Would you mind? Even if you do mind, we're going to do it. So we're going to just pray. (laughs) Would you join me as we pray? Lord, you are such a great God. And you know so much more than we do. So many times we feel so inadequate and so helpless because we're, we just are just one. And yet you've brought us all together as a church and you've given us visions of, of educating young people with a, a Christian worldview. And, and Lord, we don't like being able to say, having to say no to people because we don't have space. So would you give us an answer? If this building that is on some of our minds is in play, if you want us to have it, then God, you're going to have to make it work because we can't on our own make it work. But we don't want to do the wrong thing either. And so we know that you can see uh, a lot further down the road than we can. So we're asking you to intervene. If that's what you want to happen, would you give us peace? We get anxious about it, trying to make it happen, and yet we know we can't without you. And so we're asking you as a congregation, as your children, to show us exactly what it is you want us to do. You have led us to this point all along the way. And so now, Lord, we're gathering together asking for your help and to show us to intervene, to to keep it there for us until it can happen. Whatever you choose to do, Lord, we're going to trust you. And we thank you for hearing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 17. Now when they had seen him, They made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. You may have had some surprises happen to you on Christmas. Freddie and John were fortunate enough to have a season pass or a season ticket to watch their favorite football team. But they could not help but notice that all during the season, there was a seat next to them. B-14 was next to them, and there was no one ever there. Now, they had a friend that would love to have had a season pass, especially since they could have sat together, the three of them. And so during halftime, one of the games, the Freddie went to the ticket office and said, can we buy the season pass for this empty seat next to us, B-14? They looked it up and the ticket agent said, unfortunately, that ticket's been sold. But week after week, the seat was empty. On the day after Christmas, there was a ball game and Freddie and John came to the game and to their amazement, there was somebody in B-14 for the first time. And so Freddie couldn't help but ask, uh, where have you been all season? And he said, don't ask. He said, my wife bought the season pass back last summer and kept it for a surprise Christmas present for me. <laughs> So hopefully your Christmas present has not been expired already. Christmas is the time of year when everyone wants his past forgotten and his present remembered. Twas the day after Christmas when all through the place there were arguments and depression. Even mom had a long face. The stockings hung empty and the house was a mess. The new clothes didn't fit and dad was under stress. The family was irritable and the children no one could please because the instructions for the swing set were in Chinese. <laughs> that is so true, you know. <laughs> the bells no longer jingled and no carolers came around. The sink was stacked with dishes and the tree was turning brown. The stores were full of people returning things that fizzled and failed. And the shoppers were discouraged because everything they'd bought was now on half price sale. Twas the day after Christmas. The spirit of joy had disappeared, but hope was on the horizon. Twelve bowl games the first week of the new year. <laughs> well, Christmas has come and gone. The presents have gone from under the tree. I hope it's been a wonderful time, a time of giving and receiving and, the, and in the joy of seeing those that you love open up those gifts that they're very gratifying. In fact, it, it kind of brings out the kid in us again as we watch our grandchildren and our children open presents and all the kinds of emotions that come, the anticipation. And then the enthusiasm and the surprise and the delight, it overtakes us. And what a wonderful time it can be. But after Christmas Day, there can be a letdown. I remember my grandfather said, there is no over like the over after Christmas. <laughs> and even if you received all that you could want, you can still fall under the grip of the post-Christmas blues. 
So what should the attitude be after Christmas? Is there such thing as an after Christmas spirit? We, we talk about getting into the Christmas spirit. Well, what is the after Christmas spirit? How should we be feeling and acting after this significant holiday is passed? And as Christians, we've participated in the gift giving and the celebration of the holiday. We've focused on the true meaning. We know that Jesus came and the Messiah came and the birth of our Lord Jesus. We've worshiped at Christmas. We've knelt down before God and given thanks. So how should we be feeling and acting at this time of year? Is there a way to feel? Is there a way to react? Well, I believe we go to the shepherds. The shepherds who visited Jesus were given a wonderful surprise. Can you imagine being out on that Judean hillside and the uh, angel appearing and saying that the Messiah of God, the Savior of the world, has been born? You've been given the miracle, the privilege of seeing the miracle. And I'm sure they were full of awe as they came and saw this baby on that incredible night. And who knows, only God, but uh, what emotions they felt, but they beheld the Lord of glory. And if you look at it closely, they really exhibit what we ought to be doing after Christmas. They're good examples of the true Christmas after Christmas spirit. And what they did, we can do ourselves. And so we're going to sum it up in three words. The first word is proclamation. They, verse 17 says, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. Now, folks, when it says they spread the word, they made known it, it means that they went out telling everyone. But what's incredible about this is that the angel appeared to the shepherds. Now, you've got to understand shepherds were low on the social scale. In fact, they were trusted so little that a shepherd's testimony would not be accepted in a courtroom. And most shepherds were considered on par with gypsies and vagrants and con men. And to and add to the fact that they were on the lowest rung of the economic ladder. And they had little or no formal education. It's entirely possible that some of those shepherds that saw the angels could not even read or write. And what makes the story even more remarkable is that they were the ones that got the message. And the angel said, this is good news which shall be for all people. And I believe that's one of the reasons they came to the the lowest of the low, the smelly, illiterate, untrustworthy shepherds. And then they went into Bethlehem after the angel told them, and they discovered what the angel said. And I can imagine they marveled when they came to probably what was a cave, more than likely, We have all these pretty little barns built, but in in reality, probably in Bethlehem, there is a cave there that they believe could be the place. And they come into a feed trough, and there is a baby lying in that feed trough, and they're told that this is the Messiah. 
And consider this, on that night, other than Joseph and Mary, probably the only people in the world, and I know that, I don't know when the wise men saw the star and when it appeared, but probably they were the only ones in the, on the earth at that time who knew that Christ had been born. 400 years of silence up to this point from Malachi the prophet until the birth of Jesus. Prophets, no prophets, no angels speaking, and now the angels come to the lowly shepherds and they go and find Jesus, Savior of the world. They didn't take it lightly. All Jews knew something about the Messiah coming. All Jews had been involved in the Passover and are been involved in celebrating the Passover. And every Passover, they celebrated God's deliverance from the bondage of Egypt and anticipated the one who would eventually come and set them free. And they usually set a place at the table for Elijah, the prophet, who would return to prepare the way for the Messiah. So it was virtually impossible for a Jewish boy or girl to grow up in a Jewish home and not hear about a coming Messiah. So even the shepherds knew something about a Messiah And so they understood what they had witnessed here. But the angel said, for unto you is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He will save their people from their sin. And what they witnessed with their eyes and their ears, they witnessed too with their lips. They went out and started telling people. The statement that had been told them about the child was too marvelous for them to keep to themselves. So that's what we should do. They went out and told people about the Jesus. They spread the word about Jesus. And when you get down to it, folks, that's all evangelism is, is telling the good news about Jesus Christ to someone else. That's all it is. We make it so complicated we think that we've got to convince them theologically and we've got to be, do all of the convicting of sin. But I want to tell you something. Let me ask you something. Has Jesus done something good for you? Has Jesus been good to you? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe he's the son of God? Do you believe he's the only way to heaven? Then all evangelism is telling other people the good news of Jesus. The proclamation of the shepherds is the proclamation of us as a church. It's the same message that we share with the world at Christmas. Christ has come. God is with us. Messiah has been born. The Savior's arrived. He's here to deliver us. He will forgive us. God loves us. God gave us this gift. That's such good news. But why? Why are we so afraid to tell it? In 1910... There was a girl living in a little village in Bedfordshire, England. She wrote a postcard to her sweetheart who lived in Clifton, 15 miles away. And on that postcard, she told the young man that she would be pleased to have their friendship and relationship continue. Well, that postcard written in 1910 was delivered in 1969. 59 years later, the young man died in 1929 without ever receiving the encouraging note from the young woman that he desired to be his wife. 
It was an undelivered message of love. And we think, how sad that is. And yet, we have a message. We have a message of love. And the only ones who have it are those who know Jesus Christ. And we need to tell other people about it, don't we? That's the after Christmas spirit. There was a district meeting of a certain denomination and the church representatives were there. And One person said, we have had no apostasies, no deaths, no births, no marriages, no transfers, no baptisms. Pray that God will help us to hold our own. Well, it's obvious that with no births, no baptisms, no transfers, a church cannot hold its own. Another representative said, we are all perfectly united. And as he sat down, he said under his breath, we're all frozen together. (laughs) A dead church is not going to deliver a message of hope and love. A dead church is not going to lift up Jesus Christ as the good news. You know, why is it we so easily share bad news? I tell, you, I tell you, I get tired of bad news, don't you? I finally have to just quit listening to some stuff for a while. Say, so, you know what? I got enough bad news without them telling me more. But today we see a lot of lip service at, of, about Jesus at Christmas time. For example, as the holidays approach, people from all walks of life begin to get geared up for Christmas parties and singing carols and celebrating in the name of Christmas. Even entertainers who would not be caught dead breathing the name of Jesus began to sing songs at Christmas about Jesus. And then after the holidays over, they go back and act as if it had never happened. But what makes the difference here? The difference is someone who only sings about Christ at Christmas or someone who proclaims about Christmas, there's a difference in them and a person who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. And we know him as our Savior. There's a difference. Christmas doesn't stop for us. The shepherds knew something had happened They knew who this baby was. They marveled at it. You know, a lot of people don't think of Jesus as who he really is. Jesus is God. One with God the Father and the Holy Spirit. The triune God. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God manifested three ways. They're all together. You and I can't comprehend all of that because we're just too finite. We're too created to understand completely the creator. But Jesus is the one that one day will stand before and give an account. He's the savior of the world. He's the one that we know who he is. He's not just somebody we pull out of the closet at Christmas time and oh yeah, we're going to celebrate. Let's keep Christ in Christmas. Now we need to keep Christ all year long. In his book, How to Reach Secular People, George Hunter writes, and I quote, authentic evangelism flows from a mindset that acknowledges the ultimate value of people, forgotten people, lost people, wandering people, up and outers, down and outers, all people. The highest value is to love them, serve them, and reach 
them. Do you know someone that does not know Jesus? I didn't say they weren't good people. Good people can be lost. The sad statistic is that 95% of all church members have never shared the gospel with anybody. I think we can do better than that, don't you? We get excited about what's going on at Southcrest. Well, who's doing what's going on at Southcrest? The Lord is. We need to tell them about Jesus. See, a lot of people have been hurt at church. I don't have anything, want to have anything to do with church because to tell you the truth, some of the meanest people on earth are church people. I didn't say Christians. I said church people. And there's going to be a difference in knowing Jesus and just going to church. But when you know the Lord, you reach out to others. Dr. Howard Hendricks said, humanly speaking, I might never have been saved if someone hadn't said it with love to me. I was out playing marbles one day as a child when a man named Walt came along and invited me to Sunday school. Well, there was nothing appealing to me about anything with school in it. So I said, no, I'm not interested. And he said, well, you want to play marbles with me? And after he had wiped me out in marbles, he said, you want to learn how to play this game better? And by the time that he had taught me how to play marbles over the next few days, he had built such a relationship with me that I, have gone, I would have gone anywhere he suggested. And he said, of the 13 boys in that Sunday school class, 11 of them ended up in vocational Christian work some of you play golf and I've I'm not going to call what I do playing but I can go out there but I can relate to the guys who hit balls way off in the rough and they're always searching for extra or errant lost golf balls well, a couple of guys had hit it out in the grass. It was high. The trees were thick, and their tempers were beginning to flare because they couldn't find their golf ball. And a lady was sitting over on the front porch of a house nearby. Finally, after a little while, said, I don't want to bother you guys, but will it be cheating if I tell you where those golf balls are? <laughs> well, folks, as we look around us, we see per- people looking for purpose and meaning and hope. And we've got it. We've got it. We need to share it. Think of it. All of us shared the good news of Jesus. I, I'm not saying you got to preach to him. You just say, I want to tell you what Jesus has done for me. He's forgiven me of all my sin and, give me per, and given me purpose in life. People can't argue with that. They want to argue about, well, so-and-so. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I want to tell you what Jesus has done for me. We should not keep silent. One church historian found that the average person in a particular denomination currently invites others to church once every 28 years. I think we can do better than that. Not just inviting them to church, but tell them what Jesus has done. Proclaim to them about Jesus. Why is that so hard? It's just sharing And nobody can take your testimony from you. Amen? Why are we so nervous about it? I'll tell you why. Because Satan doesn't want us to. He's bluffed us into believing that nobody wants to hear. Listen, Listen, if there's ever a time that people need good news, it is today. They need some good news. That Jesus 
is alive and well and loves us and will change our life, gives us hope and purpose and assurance. Proclamation. You know what the second word is? Penetration. Verse 18 says, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The message that the shepherds not only heard but gave had an impact on the people who heard it. It says they wondered or they were amazed at what the shepherds had to say. Basically what they were saying, you mean a shepherd saw this? Can you believe what a shepherd told us? That they saw angels in the sky? That they saw the, the Savior, the Messiah? They, were, they marveled at it, but the, the, the word means that they believed it. The message of the shepherds had an impact. It penetrated. Why do you think that was? Have you ever had the experience of sharing anything when you wonder if people not only are hearing you, but they're getting it? Are you really hearing it? Do they understand that the only hope they have is with Jesus Christ? Sometimes, I I have to confess to you, sometimes I preach and wonder whether people are hearing what I have to say. And then I'm wondering, is it going to make any difference if they hear the truth or because they've heard the truth? Are their, are their sins, they're going to confess and renounce? Will their attitudes change because of the Word of God? Is it simply an intellectual exercise or is it simply coming and enduring for an hour on Sunday morning? I, you've got, you, if you've done any kind of speaking or teaching, you know what I'm talking about. And I know better. I know that the Holy Spirit delivers it. I know all of that. But sometimes you just kind of wonder because... A lot of times people look at you like a calf looking at a new gate. (laughs) And what made the truth about the shepherds so real? After all, they were the scum of the earth. First of all, I believe they came with enthusiasm. Can you imagine seeing angels? Can you imagine finding what, exactly what the angels said they would find? And they, they had been the beneficiaries of a fantastic encounter. And they probably were excited about it. And, and they probably couldn't help it. You're not going to believe what happened. Folks, do you remember the fresh feeling and glow that you had after you first met Jesus as your Savior? Well, I know you can't maintain that all your life, but, but we could be a little more enthusiastic about Jesus, couldn't we? I, one of these days, I'm going to have a big screen up here, and I'm going you to watch yourself <laughs> worship. You would have nightmares. <laughs> it's scary. How great is our God? Oh, how sing with me. How great is our God? Oh, yeah, he's great. The word gospel means good news. I've got some good news for you. I can't wait to tell you about it. Y'all remember Calvin and Hobbes in the, news, in the comics? I'm, I know the younger people don't know who that is, but Calvin, you know, Calvin had an imaginary friend named Hobbes. who was a tiger, and Calvin always hated school, hated it. And one day, Calvin, in his usual going-to-school attitude, a classmate of his said, Hi, Calvin, and he just went, huh. 
She said, well, you're, you're real pleasant this morning. What's the matter with you, Calvin? And he said, why don't you go step in front of a cement truck? <laughs> well, his classmate's attitude suddenly changed, obviously. And she frowns and she says, well, what a pill you are. What a jerk. Well, who needs you? You can just stand there and be grumpy all by yourself. Hmm. She walks off and Calvin gets that little smirky and devilish smile on his face and said, nothing helps a bad mood like spreading it around. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, enthusiasm can be contagious. And if people really understand and know that you really do believe what you're telling them, they listen to you. Another key to their sharing and, and why they penetrated and why people listened is because they were credible witnesses. They had experienced firsthand what they were telling. They got excited. I, I can't believe, I want to tell you what I saw. They had been there. They were credible. Someone said, God has no grandchildren. And what they mean by that is that everybody must have a credible experience with Jesus. You don't just become a Christian because your parents were Christians, or you're not becoming a Christian because you sat in church for 30 years. You come to a place where you turn from your sin, and by an act of your will and your repentance, you say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. I want Jesus to come into my life. I believe he died and rose again. I want him to come into my life and be the boss, the Lord of my life. Until you have that, you don't have anything to share. Closest you can get is you ought to hear the music at our church. Or you ought to come hear the preacher. He tells funny stories every now and then. Or you ought, to, you ought to come. We have nice people at our church. Oh, we eat a lot at our church. You ought to come. That's as close as you can get. But when you know Jesus, you have something to tell them. They were credible, and our witness will be credible when we share our personal testimony about meeting Jesus, your life before you met Christ, how you met Jesus, and your life since then. That's your testimony. And if you haven't met Jesus, you don't have a testimony. But the last characteristic, the last word, you first see they proclaimed it. They penetrated the people that they talked about. But the third word is praise. Verse 20 says, and the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. The shepherds were profoundly changed by what they had seen. And what a difference one day can make. What a difference Jesus can make in your life. But did you notice that the next day or maybe 48 hours later, we don't know for sure, they were back out tending smelly sheep. They had to go back. And that's kind of what where we are. You know what? We've had some time off. We've been with our family. We've had all kinds of good stuff to do and eat and do. And, and now we got to go back. Yeah. But they went back doing something. They went back glorifying and praising God. The word glorify comes from the word glory, which originally meant to have an opinion, then to have a good opinion, and ultimately to estimate the true worth of something. 
You glorify anything when you recognize its true value. And to say that the shepherds glorified God means that they saw Jesus in the manger. They were overwhelmed by God's powers, grace, and goodness. They simply could not stop talking about what they'd seen and heard. And they were so excited. And, and then you'll know where they, where they were. It says they returned or they went back. They returned. They went back to work. But they're still praising God. They saw the babe in the manger, Mary and Joseph, but then they had to return. We've all got to return to what we normally do. Is it going to make any difference in your life or is it going to be business as usual and then 2020? For, for shepherds, their life wouldn't be the same. Oh, the work was the same. Circumstances didn't change. Yeah, they sometimes still stepped in sheep manure. They had to deal with cranky sheep. They had to deal with wandering sheep. They had to do with, deal with stupid animals. Sheep are stupid. And we ought to be offended when we're associated with sheep. They had to deal with all of that. People sometimes wish they could keep the Christmas spirit all year long, and they speak of it like it's a magic time, the days that only comes once a year. But I want to tell you, if the magic you're talking about is the tree and the gifts and the mistletoe and all of that, that comes once a year. But the greatest truth is that Christmas warms our heart all year long. If you want Christmas to last all year, you do what the shepherds did. You go back to work. You go back to school. You go back to your classroom. You go back to your neighborhood. You go back to your job. Go back to your family duties. But you do what the shepherds did, glorifying and praising God. Thank you, God, for what I have. Thank you for who I am in you. Thank you for what you've done for me. You go back to the same circumstances, but you have a new appreciation and glorifying. You realize who God is in your life. You realize that you are one of the only ones on earth who know the way to God. And there are a lot of people who haven't heard. We're going to go back to our humdrum daily routine. That's what the shepherds did. Didn't change their circumstances. But it changed their life profoundly. Yeah, they still had to deal with the same stuff. But this time, there was a difference in their heart. Matthew West wrote a song entitled Day After Christmas. Let me read you the lyrics. Here comes the letdown. Christmas is over. Here comes the meltdown. There goes the cheer. But before we have a breakdown, let us remember the light of the world is still here. Happy day after Christmas and merry rest of the year. Even when Christmas is over, the light of the world is still here. Come January, I'm ready for summer. The Super Bowl's over and I'll settle for spring. Sometimes we need a change in the weather, but it won't change the reason we sing. Happy day after Christmas and merry rest of the year. Even when Christmas is over, the light of the world is still here. So take down the stockings, take back the sweaters, take down the lights and the star in the tree, but don't let this world take your joy after Christmas. 
take joy to the world and just sing happy day after Christmas and merry rest of the year. Even when Christmas is over, the light of the world is still here. We are the people who have the hope and the joy and the message that God still loves us. We have the the message of good news to others, and we need to share it. And I'm asking you to think of someone, or if you've not met them yet, say, God, help me meet someone this year that I can share the good news with. And pray for them. Develop a relationship with them. And lead them to hear the good news of Jesus. And if you're watching on television or online today or you are here, you're visiting, maybe you're visiting, maybe you've been coming for a while. I want to tell you, you can be a professional churchgoer and not know Jesus. But if you don't know Jesus, he's the hope. Church isn't the hope for you. I hate to tell you this. Being a member of South Christ Baptist Church doesn't take you to heaven. Being any kind of church doesn't take you to heaven. And no person on this earth can grant you the privilege to go to heaven. Only Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so you turn from your sin realizing that you can't save yourself. And you ask God to forgive you. And the amazing thing is God wants to forgive you. But you have to ask him and you have to believe that Jesus paid the price, that he put your sin on him and that he rose again. The wages of sin is death. So Jesus died, but death couldn't hold him. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He paid the price. And when you place your faith in Jesus, you will be Saved, And until you really know Jesus, you do not have a clue about what we're talking about. But when you know Jesus, it changes your heart, changes your life. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for those today that need the light of the world, that need the joy of knowing Jesus. I pray for those that that may have gone to church. They may have been offended in a church. They, they may have been raised in a church. They may not think they need anything in the church. But, Lord, I pray you'd help them to see past sinful, forgiven people and to see Jesus, that they might give their life to him today. And, Lord, if a bunch of smelly, illiterate shepherds can proclaim the good news of Jesus, surely... We can. So would you lay that on our heart? We want you to touch lives. We want to be people who will praise you in our work, will praise you in our school, will praise you in our neighborhood, even in the midst of difficult circumstances, will praise you. I pray for those today who have commitments on their heart. Maybe. Maybe there's sin that needs to be confessed. And, be, and, and as they end this year, come to you saying, Lord, I, I want to start this new year following you, being close to you. Pray for those that need a church. If 
if this is the, the, the body of believers that you want them to be a part of, then you bring them here. But Lord, we pray for those that are going to be baptized and need to be baptized, that they'd be obedient to you. So pray that even now that people would respond to you in the next couple of minutes. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.